Yes! Over the line! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. That is Brandon Drum, and we're going to start talking about, well, Pro Day. Brandon, you were there. Let me know. What'd you see? Yeah, I mean, I, look, OU has the biggest Pro Day, and they have had the biggest Pro Day the past two years, obviously with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield leading you know, the charge there. It, The one thing that I think is interesting was – I don't know that other places are even as deep as Oklahoma is this year because, I mean, what, there were seven or eight guys that potentially could get drafted um, off that roster. And then you got a kicker in Austin Cyber that was just – he put on a show. Uh, it was pretty impressive to watch the things that he did. Uh, and even Joe Klatt was, was super, super impressive, impressed by it. Um, look, I, Kyler Murray didn't do a whole lot. Um, he – Obviously, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. And that, that right there, more than anything, tells me that he knows that he's going to be a top-five pick in the draft, potentially the number one pick uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and everybody tried to make a big deal about Cliff Kingsbury and their GM not showing up out there. Look, it, first off, it was the first day of free agency, so they've got to do some things. Second, it's going to be a bigger deal if they show up. It's going to you know, throw more gas on the fire in my opinion. Uh, there's already a thick amount of smoke coming out of Phoenix, and I, I don't think you could you want any more drama than there already is because that can cause a major, major issue um, with just the, the, the sheer – whatever they do, they look at Arizona, they look at Josh Rosen, and they know that there's an issue behind the scenes there, and that's just going to exasperate it in my opinion. I mean, it's just going to get worse. Obviously, Curtis Bolton put on a great show – uh, with Kyler, he put on a really good show. I thought it was equal or at least close to being as good as what Baker did last year. Um, he obviously didn't have the receivers Baker had last year. Uh, so, And I think the best one he had was Charleston Rambo, who, I mean, he really did put on a show. The guy showed his speed, and it is impressive. You can really tell he is a 4-3 guy or a low 4-4 guy. So um, it's not like they're going to miss Hollywood too bad with him running uh, seams and flies out there uh, all game next year for uh, Jalen Hurts. The question is going to be, is Jalen Hurts going to hit him in stride? Um, so I think uh, there is a lot to you know digest and, and kind of talk about when, when you talk about yesterday's spring day or pro day. I just think that it's – Oklahoma put on a show. I think everybody that walked away thought it was good, and they thought it was – an impressive showing by everybody involved. And the one thing you can say is Chris Bolton, he put himself up another notch, potentially, you know, a sixth, seventh rounder uh, as far as a draft goes with what he did with the numbers and how he put on during the drills. Um, I, I think uh, Monty Bledsoe put on a show as well. I think he did really well. Outside of the Kyler Murray conversation, one of the things that I was asked was, who looked the best as far as having a professional career in the National Football League? Now, I know that Curtis Bolton 
deserves that title coming out of pro day with i mean 4.53 is faster than i thought that guy was 38 inch vertical jumped higher than i thought that guy could jump 18 reps on bench if i recall and we're recording this on a thursday morning for the folks that are just trying to keep all the math together but charleston rambo probably made the most money of anybody not named Kyle. yeah Murray. that's what i was that's what i was saying if for no other reason than i agree 100 the only guy on he put the on, i mean like active I was saying, roster. he showed he's fast he's the only guy that is on the active roster that was allowed to participate in pro day and that's because of a rule that yep. is made between the nfl and the american football coaches association along the lines of ncaa where a player who is going to be draft eligible the next year is allowed to participate in pro days. Now, you could have five, but you could participate for more because they're not really trying to limit who can participate in these things. And I thought it spoke volumes that that guy was not CeeDee Lamb, that that guy was not Michael Jones, that that guy was not insert sooner name here. It was a redshirt freshman who had just eight catches in 2018, three in the Orange Bowl, and his only touchdown of his career, 49 yards to the house. Yeah, Charleston Rambo made a lot of money. And now, you were talking about this on the last podcast that we had where you were just I mean you've been a Rambo believer for a long time and I've been skeptical up until now right because you threw him out there in a way that I didn't expect you to throw him out there and now we have an answer for who is the heir apparent to Marquise Brown in a real way Uh also gets around to this point that you made uh kind of a little bit earlier about whether or not Jalen Hurts can hit him in stride and I've been making this point the folks that are rooting for Jalen Hurts need to be rooting really hard for him to do what neither one of the last two Heisman winners could do. You're not bringing in Jalen Hurts and kicking Austin Kendall to the curb because he's a good quarterback. You're bringing him in because he did what Baker Mayfield could not do, what Kyler Murray could not do, which is win a college football playoff game. People forget he beat Clemson. He got them to that title game against Georgia. And you didn't have that in the best player in football for the last two years. Those two guys, we love them. I mean, Baker is going to be a saint by the time it's all said and done if he isn't already. Kyler is the most athletic and most gifted quarterback that Oklahoma's ever produced. But I'm going to tell you this. If Jalen Hurts does not win a college football playoff, this could be a LeBron Lakers situation in that the folks who are signing on to Jalen Hurts, you know, in the same way that OU fans sign on to the Cleveland Browns, are going to blame OU. And I don't necessarily think that that's in line with anything at all because, you know, OU's made the last two college football playoffs, so it doesn't necessarily need his help. What it needs his help with is doing that other thing, which is winning the playoff game. So if he does what Baker and Kyler did, is it is it anything more than what Austin Kendall could do? We don't know. But we would know that he was able to do something that nobody else at this university has been able to accomplish. And I thought that that was that's really going to be interesting to see if he can pair up with CD and if he could pair up with Rambo or Hazelwood or Theo Weiss or whoever they throw out there at that, I believe it's the Z position that that player plays. So I'm really interested to see how this all works because right now, cool, honeymoon period is over. It's time for Jalen Hurst to show everybody who he is. And that time is going to keep coming until December and we're going to have an answer. Yeah, look, I most people are trying to say, and I talked to some people. They've said, "Look, there's not a big discrepancy between the, you know, uh, Mordecai and Hertz right now." But they also say, and they preface it with, "You can tell what Hertz is going to be 
once he gets everything down. He uh, he hasn't been in the system the way Mordecai has for a whole year. So he's not going to be as far along as far as knowing the reads, knowing the checks, knowing all that stuff. Um, only have been on campus for a month and a half, two months. Um, so uh, the, there is a lot of chatter of the potential is there. His throwing ability is there. It's being able to digest and dissect everything that he can do as far as making the reads, knowing the offense, um, doing everything that he needs to do to get to where come April 14th, it looks like the fans can see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel with him. And I think that's the, that's the main thing. Uh, they want to see, can this guy complete pass? Cause look, nobody questioned the issue with Kyler last year in the spring game because they all had faith off of what they saw in high school. Um, they had faith off of what they saw during his mop-up duties the previous year. So it it wasn't a question of could he do this, could he do that. They all knew he could, and you've heard the rumblings out of the practices for the last two years of Kyler Murray doing this amazing thing, Kyler Murray doing that amazing thing. So uh, we don't have that with Hurts. What we have is – him going 26-2 and two at Alabama, him being a 68% uh, completion percentage guy at Alabama, him throwing for 2,800 yards, 3,000 yards at Alabama, and rushing for 1,000. Uh, we know he can do it. It's can he do it in Riley's more sophisticated offense because that's ultimately what it is. That's what everybody talks about. They're like, yeah, it's an air raid, but it is a very sophisticated air raid offense. Is he going to be able to pick it up this quick? Is he going to be able to turn it around and make it to where he is the guy that the heir apparent and the next potential first round draft pick. And I don't know that he can just yet because it's everything's so new. So I think people might be jumping to the gun off of spring performances, off of um, the spring game performances, off of just what they've heard so far. Um, I think for us as reporters, for us, for everybody's fans, it's going to take time, man. The guy just got here. But people that I've spoken with said they can see the potential of what it could be because there's flashes already. Well, there's been that talk from day one since, you know, you were the first person to, to source that he was indeed looking at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I think I look at it this way. I don't buy spring football in the hype because I understand what it is. Spring football is very important to the football team itself. For us, yeah, it gives well, it's us more important some, on defense this year. I think well, but even even so, right? You're you're not going to be able to draw any conclusions <laughs> from spring ball if for no other reason than you still got half the freshman class that's not here, and the guys that looked really good in the spring game in particular almost never end up being the guys that you count on to be your everyday uh, or every Saturday guys during the mm-hmm. during the season. We saw this with Levi Jones. Yeah, because there's, there's not there's not the freshman classes in. Right, but yeah. I also want it ironed out that Jalen Hurts is not Baker Mayfield. He is not Kyler Murray, and there are things that he does well, and there are things that he on yeah. the surface does better than both of those guys. I also don't necessarily think that it's going to be incumbent upon Lincoln to make him fit into the scheme in a way that the other guys <laughs> did because. You're going to have these running backs. And I contend that Kyler Murray does not win the Heisman Trophy 
if Rodney Anderson doesn't blow out his ACL against UCLA. Just doesn't happen. Because you would have been handing the ball to to Rodney Anderson. You know, that was the guy that we were talking about coming in because we were all talking about, hey, Rodney could be a Heisman candidate if he gets the number of touches that he would need because you just go on after 2017. And this year... you may be thinking about Kyler coming back or trying to make up a deal with the, the Oakland A's to come back. I still think that dude would have played baseball. Yeah, I know. I know. That's probably a long shot, but, I mean, that may be the talk at this point. By the way, you is know, that your dog? The ultimate... Yeah, my dog's what's, barking at something. I don't know. What's your dog? The boxer. Gnarly. Gnarly? With an N, not a G. Yeah, not with a G. It's just N-A-R-L-E-Y. That's what's up. B, yeah, I had a, how come cool. I never knew you had a – we – We've talked about my dog having a seizure. How come I've never known about you having a dog? Oh, that that dog's my my my, my baby. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. She she's my she was the one that I would. It was just me and her before it was the boys and Amy. So, man, I got Zingo. Zingo's a, a holy terror, but that, I <laughs> this love one's that just dude. a lazy fat boxer. <laughs> no, nah, Zingo does not know how to calm the hell down. Like. 54-pound Australian Shepherd mix. The dude is wide-eyed all the time, and I swear, it, it almost feels like the dude is oh. a methadic. Oh. He turns nine this year. He's getting up oh, there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, she's eight. Okay. Um, she turns nine this year, too. So, I, the crazy thing is that she used to be that way up until last year, and all of a sudden, it was like a flip of switch, and she decides she just wants to cuddle up with – she thinks she's a lap dog. And she weighs like 70 pounds. So I know, right? That's that's mine too. Yeah. Dude, I'm like, hey man, you can't be on my lap. You're literally half my size. This is not working. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable. It's not working. <laughs> so I digress because I heard the dog barking and that perked my ears. But yeah. you're making the point, uh, or I was making the point, that I don't necessarily think that the offense would have run the way that it ran last year if Rodney Anderson was healthy. And to that point, if Trey Sermon was fully healthy because I'm trying to tell people, especially when they're talking about, yo, Kyler didn't run the 40. All right, man, he carried the ball 140 times last year and averaged 7.2 yards per carry and rushed for 1,000 yards. Do you really need to see him run a 40? He had more carries than yeah. Kennedy Brooks and Marcellus Sutton combined. He had just 15 fewer carries than Kennedy Brooks and TJ Pledger combined. I mean, yeah. Trey Sermon carried the ball 160 times. Kyler carried the ball 140 times. What, what do you think happened? I think it was strike, quite honestly, Lincoln said, okay, I guess we're just running the offense entirely through Kyler, and that ended up to work. But uh, you're just not going to do that with Jalen Hurts, especially if all your running backs are healthy. And that's one of the reasons you brought in Ramondre Stevens. For that yeah. reason. And you got Marcus Major coming in, who is built like a man-child already. Right, so, and um, Sermon is... is yeah. I think he's Lincoln's favorite because he kept running him out there as the starter even when everybody else was going, yo, man, Kennedy Brooks is a walking first down. Why, why doesn't that man get more carries? And hey, I'm sure so that's only going to get running backs. Speaking of running backs, so yesterday, uh, none other than um, Adrian Peterson's father, um, I can't, I Nelson. Can't now I, Nelson. Yeah, Nelson Peterson came in. And I talked to him for a long time, and I didn't really register. You know, I knew that his son was here, and he said, oh, my son's 11 years old, blah, blah, blah. Nelson Jr. So I'm top. Yep, Nelson Jr. And so there was – Kel Gundy Pope tweeted a picture of it, but they had the laser time, and they were just messing around, right? Kid is 11 years old. I want people to just wrap their heads around. Uh, no, 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 no
Don't give him a number. Don't give him. Don't give him a number. Just, just I'm say it was fast. A because it was insane. Oh my god, it was insane. He ran a four eight at eleven years old. Laser at OU. Drum, just messing around. Drum, you just, you just told every. Uh, okay. Now the question is, did they offer him? I, I'm pretty positive. He oh my god. Offered this point. Come on. <laughs> I don't know that they offered him. I'm just saying that I'm pretty positive it's pretty pretty written in stone that if you're you do that at age 11 and you're related to Adrian Peterson, you probably have an offer. Drum, it's just insane, man. Drum, there's so an I, adult I, I, listening to this podcast that just lost his mind. He's he's. I lost my mind. He's when screaming they said, at the I car go, stereo. I, I I literally looked at and I said four eight, and the, the person that was selling. I had two people tell me the same thing. So guys, four four eight at eleven translates to four four, four three. By the time you get to college, that's that's yeah. So so you so now that you have a number, and now that you know how fast another one of Nelson Peterson's kids is, all of y'all are gonna be going, yo. So he's coming to OU now, right? I would suspect that that's probably gonna be the case, anyways, because they're. Man. I mean, they were they were decked out in Oklahoma crap, anyways. So. Um, I mean, they're an OU family. Oh, I get it. I, sat I know. Ne- I sat next to AD. Like, he sat right next to me at Bob's retirement, and he and I got to know each other pretty well. And, you know, he he talked about his little brother a little bit, but um, he, he didn't, you know, so much say that he was the next superstar. And I, I was talking to Nelson. I said, is he better than AD? And he said he's got the potential to be. He just likes to play Fortnite a little bit too much. Oh, uh, <laughs> get, get out of here. Get, uh, get, get, get out of here. There's no such thing. <laughs> Play that Fortnite, child. No, nah, I, I hear you. I hear you. But I'm just, man. We're we're such recruiting geeks. We're we're, we're yeah. talking. To, we're no, talking I mean, about I'm eleven year olds, forty in general, just to just to be talking because he was just standing next to me, and I just looked up, and I mean, the guy looks like he could play. I mean, Nelson looks like he could go up there and play, and everybody forgets that he was recruited by Oklahoma to play basketball, if I remember correct, by Tubbs, if I remember. Out of college or high school? I can only remember that, that his mom was fast as all hell. Like his yeah. mom could flat out fly. We're talking track and field here for the, y'all that don't know. But yeah, I could believe that. I don't. Have, I mean, to see to see Nelson Peterson is to see a guy who played who could have played or should have played D one somewhere. And you get, oh, you know to God, look at the offspring. Like tank, yeah. yeah, to look at the offspring, you would you would also think that you know just. Bloodlines and whatnot. Oh, dude! I have a Jake Charter and I was kind of we're talking about it. It's like, well, he comes from good stock. <laughs> talking about uh, you know Nelson Peterson Jr., the eleven-year-old who just released. It was it kind of started murmuring around really quick about how fast he ran his forty. Oh my god! Everybody I, was freaking I, blown away. You know, I kind I I kind of love this and hate it all at the same time because. Now we're talking about an eleven-year-old. Oh, we're on watch the next seven years. What's he doing? Oh What's my he God. doing? <laughs> you know, and I just kind of—I want to remind myself as much as anybody else. They're children. They're children. Yeah. No, I, 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 no, we, yeah, definitely. I got a six-year-old. I, I, I personally, I didn't even say a word to them, and I wouldn't. I, I'm not going to talk to that kid until he gets about a sophomore in high school when. They can start comprehending and having adult conversations about their future. And we got There's no point. People that do that, that's scary. Now, that's so, scary. So Noah had a really great story about that. So so Noah, 
was at the grocery store with his grandmother and they were just shopping he's still in louisiana uh-huh. And an LSU fan came up to him, knew who he was, said, "So, so you're gonna you're gonna be a boot Noah boy, Kane, right?" Everybody, Noah Kane. You're, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a boot boy. Oh yeah, Noah Kane. My fault. Uh, so sorry, Noah. Noah to those of us that know him. Anyway, says Noah, "You gonna be a boot boy?" He's like, "I don't know. You ought to go. You ought to go to LSU." I don't know. Well, I went to LSU. I played a little ball. I ain't played at LSU, but I, I think you should go to LSU. Hey man, I don't know. And that was the, that was making him uncomfortable to the point to where he had to tell dude, yo yeah. man, I'm here trying to shop for groceries with my grandmother. Could you please leave us alone? And dude kind of walked away yep. and then came back and tried to give his recruiting pitch again. Go I just think that you should go to LSU. And I'm going, is that what we're doing now? Apparently. Oh my God. Uh, look, so when I went down to, and we're totally digressing, but it's, it's good. These are good stories to Trajan Bridges, uh, football game. I can't remember. He was playing Carrollton. Um, can't remember which one. Maybe in Creekview and not Branchview. Uh, but um, so I was at the game. I was with Jackie, and Jackie uh, says, "Hey, Theo's there." So I text Theo and I said, "Hey, that's, man, where you at?" That's his dad. That's Trey. Yeah, Jackie's Jack, Jack, Jack Bridges. Sorry, we're like totally. Just yeah, we're just we're just we're rolling. But, <laughs> Sorry. Um, but. Uh, so I go up and I, I text Theo and Theo goes, hey, he texts me. He goes, can you get you down to the field? Because he saw me down there talking to Jackie. And he texts me, can you get me down to the field? I was like, I don't think I can. Jackie probably can because I, I don't have that type of authority. And he goes, well, come up here. So I come up there and Noah Kane's there and uh, Trey Sanders. And everybody's up there with him. And we're talking. And I kid you not. I kid you not. Texas Longhorn fans whoever fans came up whether it's Alabama it's I mean it was multiple fan bases were coming up to these kids and be like so you're gonna go play here there and there you know I mean they knew who these kids were and they're all trying to have a conversation with me and we're not even talking recruiting we're just talking life in general and they're like looking over at me like do you see this I'm like yeah I don't know what to do man I can't help you I mean it is insane how people hotbox these kids oh yeah it's crazy but and yesterday after pro day was even worse. I mean, you had, and I get it. Fans want to be a part of things. Fans were lining up. There's like these barricades that line up between Everest and the workout facility from across the street. So along the sidewalk to lead you into, you know, the Everest Center. And people, there was 50, 60, 70, 80 fans lined up sitting outside there waiting for the OU current players to walk out. And they were all hot bombs. They got circled. Like Kenneth Murray and Kyler and all them are walking out beside me. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And you just see these hordes of people just run at them. And they were just swarming. I was like, well, that is awful. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, I get it. But, I mean, if you're a fan, I get it. But they were mostly, I mean, they were grown men out there. And that's what, like, just bombarding. Like, they took off the day of work to go bombard these kids knowing they were going to be there. That's a little much for me sometimes. And I get it as the fans, like, I guess y'all fans doing that, that's fine, it's your prerogative. But those kids, man, if you ever talk to them, they feel a little overwhelmed sometimes. Yeah, you're fans, but you're also adults and they're children. Like, let's keep it 100 yeah. on that. I, I'm not going to get passes on that. I am going to pivot here, though, because I'm going to bring up a third rail. Wrote a column about this, took a snippet from a kid, Ryan Watts had something to say. It's drawn out in crayon for the 
interview that runs for like 17 minutes. Really insightful. Really enjoyed talking to Ryan. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard plenty about this. Appreciate you. Go ahead. So, Ludacris is headlining Longhorn City Limits the same night as the spring game. Ludacris featuring, featuring Noah North. Okay. For the folks that don't necessarily think the spring game concerts are a big deal or that spring game concerts are for fans, are you really going to tell me that there are more folks at Texas that would refer to hear Ludacris than country? At the, at the University of Texas? Since, you know, it's all... I, I get it, right? I understand it's a concert. I understand the kids aren't going to see the concert. It's I also field, know that... I don't think Austin State Limits is affiliated. No, look, Long City, Longhorn City Limits. That's what it's called. It's called Longhorn City Limits. Oh. That's what it's called. And it, this is tweeted by the Texas football account. Bring a little southern hospitality to hashtag Made in Austin Weekend. Ludacris will headline Longhorn City Limits stage with special guest Noah North on Saturday, April 13th, following the Orange-White Spring game. That is the official Texas football account with the blue check mark and all of that. So you tell me, B. Yeah. Who who who's losing their mind? I'm with you. I mean, but it is ludicrous. I don't know how much ludicrous really attracts a crowd anymore. It would attract me and you. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, it, right? I was you and me. We would yeah, be there. I mean, I'm sitting there going, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that that sounds like fun to me." But I don't know about today. I, I mean, I, I don't think he's even been on. A, he's just an actor now, as far as I know. I mean, that's like saying the Rock is just an that, actor. Well, I mean, that's all they. Well, yeah, for you and me, he's a wrestler, but right for them, he's a. That's what I'm saying, and I'm I'm talking like I'm a high school kid right now. He's an actor to them. Well, it's following the game, right? It's following the game. It's not before the game, and I think that's a key distinction. I think that's a yeah. Big... I don't know that they're going to want to stay around and you know go to a ludicrous concert. So I think I think it, had they played it out, Texas played it out that he was before. I think that would have attracted the recruits way more than after because afterwards those kids are ready to get out like, well and i was gonna say i don't think that i don't think that they would want to see that i don't think the university of texas football program would want the concert to happen before the spring game because they're doing officials during that time you want you want the focus to be on yeah. what you're doing not what well, the concert is before. doing. That thing, yeah, that's why they do the country. Right. The fans. Well, there. and I I get all of that, but I am putting it out just so we can we can actually throw that into this cauldron of energy when we're talking about mm -hmm. spring games, spring game concerts, right? And I just think that yeah, it matters. That's my point. It matters. It matters and, who the person is. And as I've told you, uh, I know I haven't said this publicly, they've gotten big. I mean, obviously, Trace Atkins wasn't big, but um, who they've got this year is bigger than Trace Atkins um, and, and Lee Bryce. Is I Carrie Underwood busy? Either. Yeah, that's a good well, oh, no, 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 I'm dead serious. Is Blake Shelton busy? Oh, see, yeah, you, you throw Blake Shelton Is out Miranda there Lambert busy? You're throwing out Oklahoma. Yes. Big, yes. Yeah. Do we okay. have? Play, oh my God! Get cross Canadian ragweed back together. I mean, that would be the Kings of Leon. Would be. Oh huge. my God! Um, yes. Get the follow wheels yeah. to the stadium. They're massive. Oh, American fans. rejects would be huge. Uh, um, uh, you, you see where I'm going with this? One Republic would be huge. Why are you bringing it? Okay. All right. Here. Yeah. I'm just see. 
See? I'm naming Oklahoma bands. Yeah, I'm naming Oklahoma bands. You know, I mean, uh, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not a, it's not a rap versus country thing. That's not what it is. You know, it's, it's not no, that. That, that. And that's where I was going to go with this. They're, they're going to get bigger. So, so here's what I was told. And I, I did some, you know, inspecting, reporting, some investigating on this. Um, I was told, look, they have a amount of money that Josie has given them. And with that amount of money, they are doing the best they can right now. And it goes up every year. So they didn't want to bombard people with, you know, $5 to $10 entry and then bump it up to $60 the next year because they were going to have Justin Timberlake in or whoever in. So what they're doing is they're slowly, you know, organically trying to get it bigger and bigger so that people don't gripe of, Oh my gosh, it's $70 for us to go to this spring game now. Um, just so you can pay for, you know, Justin Timberlake or Bruno Mars or whoever, or $50 to pay for, you know, Kings of Leon, which I don't think Kings of Leon ultimately would charge that much. I think it would be around 30, 40. And I think next year, there's a good chance you could see a Kings of Leon or a, uh, like you said, a Blake Shelton or somebody like that or a One Republic or All American Rejects. I don't know that All American Rejects. Will come down and play because they're Oklahoma State. They actually went to OSU. Um, but the point being is, is that it's going to get bigger every year. People, you once you know that and you can understand that. It and I think people are like saying, "Well, Lee Bryce is going to get them. They're not going to have sixty thousand people now because he's there, bro." They it was thirty degrees with fifty mile an hour winds last year, and Trace Atkins is there and they fifty two thousand. Yeah, that crowd wasn't positive. that crowd wasn't great for the concert though, and that's that's the other part about this because I know that there are people who are going, "Yo, man, I'm yeah. showing up for the football. I don't care about any concert." Yeah, and if it's sixty degrees out, sixty five degrees out, that place will be packed. There'll be seventy thousand people there. I just I mean, want to just... bring it up because it is a thing that you told everybody is happening, and since you told everybody that it is happening, that means you want people to know that it is happening, and if you want people to know yeah. that it is happening, you want them to talk about. About it because it's happening that's my point about texas saying that ludicrous is performing and my point about oklahoma saying much earlier than last year lee bryce is performing they want you to know yeah. now the thing about last wanting year, people to know what you're doing is that you invite people you inv but you invite people to have opinions about what it is you're doing i get this on a yeah. regular basis right because i make something every day i write something I, I produce something, videos go up on the channel every single day, and people always give me their opinion. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But I put it out there because I want people to have something to say about it. I don't understand how having something not necessarily nice to say about even a spring game concert is bad. I don't get it. You know, I, 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 if you went to OU's Pro Day and you wanted to say, man, uh, you know who didn't have a good Pro Day? Ben Powers, Bobby Evans, Cody Ford, Drew Mia, Kyler Murray, whatever. You still have people there talking about your Pro Day. He's not saying they had a bad Pro Day, people. He's just making you make examples. Thank you. Just so we're clear on this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, Chuck Casterly saying that Kyler Murray can't work a whiteboard is still good for Kyler Murray. Right, because I make a yeah, video about it yelling there. at Chuck Casserly, and and everybody else has just the worst things to say about Chuck Casserly, right? And yet, who came out smelling like roses? Kyler oh, Murray. Man. 
You know, I, anyway, I mean, we're talking way too much about a spring game concert. Let's talk some recruiting. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, okay. Lincoln mentioned this, and I wanted you to be able to flesh this out. We can go back and forth. This is going to be the biggest, you know, spring game that they're ever going to have, right, until the next one. He wants more people than the 52,000 that showed up last year because the visitor list is stacked. Of what you're willing to divulge, because we put a lot of this on the board and whatnot, how much of that is overblown and how much of that is nailing it right on the head? I think it's going to be pretty big. Um, there is, I mean, the number one player in the country, Brian Barista, is going to be there. The number one defensive tackle in the country is picking an official to Oklahoma. That's pretty huge. Um, there's a number of five stars um, that once, you know, we put the list out, um, it's it's just gotten bigger and bigger as far as the four and five stars coming to this event. Um, they are bringing in the big dogs as much as they possibly can for this spring game. Obviously, Ryan Watts is going to be there, Jahari Rogers. Um, there's going to be, I'm trying to think, um, as far as off the top of my head, it's really, really hard to, to come up with the names off the top of my head. But uh, there's there's five stars, four stars. Um, it's got uh, Jaquez uh, Robinson's going to be there. He's Derek an Alabama Maria's commit, of, 2020 cornerback. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, out of Jacksonville. Um, both of them, Derek Greenhead's is going to be there. Both teammates at, at Sandalwood High School in Jacksonville. Um, they're going to be there. Um, uh Crap, the, the IMG defensive uh, tackle. Um, uh, my gosh. I just went blank now. Dang it, man. 2020? Um, yeah, 2020. Oh, yeah, I know you're talking Four about. Four star. Yeah. Uh, um, starts with a G. Uh, give me a second. It's coming. Uh, it's, it's, it's in there. I see his face. I see his face! God, what's Oh, my name? gosh. It's bugging me. Uh, it's it's killing me now, but I talked to him at a um, because uh, he's uh, committed, right? At, no, he's not. He, oh, Jalen Carter, Georgia. right? No, 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 no. This is a defensive tackle. Um, oh, that yeah, Jalen's a oh, man. Okay. No, so JC Lantham's a 2021 kid who's going to be taking a visit. I don't know if he's when he's coming. I think he may be coming up in the spring game. I know more 2021 kids than Warren Brinson. Warren Brinson is who I'm thinking of. I just went blank. Warren Brinson. Oh, Um, yeah. Okay. Six foot five, 299. Yeah, I remember. Because he's got the glasses on in his his photo. That's how I remembered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, So he's coming down. Um, Man, that, that just shows you how big this game has gotten. Um, I think uh, in Milton, just two years, uh, I think two years. Kendall Milton's going to be there for the official. Yeah, so um, there's so many guys that are coming in um, to this thing. It's going to be a huge, huge day for Oklahoma as far as recruiting goes. And look, don't be surprised if there's seven, eight commits, whether it be 2020 or 2021 kids that are there on unofficials. I mean, Oklahoma is going to make this thing rock just like they did last year, and that's the plan. Last year they had. Of the total visitors that they had on campus, I think they ended up with like 30-something. 11 ended up in the 2019 class. Yeah, I mean, well, think about that. And, I, and I, I get all of that. You get all of that. And I think that it's going to be difficult to get to seven like you did last year. Now, I know all those guys did not I I, make it on the campus. I mean, I think we're talking about Jamal Morris and Theo Weiss as the only guys that committed last spring. 
at that game that ended up, you know, signing their letter of intent and are enrolled. However, no, I don't uh, uh, wait. So that, that, no, 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 no. Okay, there, Jerry and Jones. Two out of the Jerry and Jones, R.J. Henderson, Theo Weiss, Jamal Morris, uh, uh, Jalen Knighton. Um, yeah, I'm missing two. Am I missing? Uh, the the grad transfer they ended up at Georgia. Oh, J- so Jay, um, what's his face? Jay, yeah, whatever. His okay, name is. and then one more. Who are we missing? Um, no, uh, that's uh, um, the defensive end for uh, out of DC. Um, Wet day, Joseph Wet day. So Wet that's day, three, yeah. three, three of the yep. three of the seven. That's right, that's right. Th- uh, three, so three of the seven. And yep. I get that some people who poo-poo recruiting are like, good commitments, but whatever. But total that were there on officials, yeah, ended up in the class. Well, yeah, because I remember we found out, or I don't know if we did because we weren't working together by then, but I found out about a couple more after the fact, like that Tuesday. Yeah, they, they just didn't put it public. Yet. Okay, all right, because I was like, yo, really? Was anybody going to say yeah, that? Yeah, so the same, the same thing's kind of happening. I think with the junior day that, happened, that, yeah, that happened a couple weeks ago, you've heard of, you know, behind the scenes of some extra guys that may have committed in Oklahoma, maybe kind of using them as pawns during the uh, uh, spring. And by the way, I really do. I I love, I love stretching your commitments. I love that. Yeah, you want it's amazing because what they do, and they did this last year. So RJ Henderson and Theo Weiss and all those guys were committed um, previously and they did it again, but they did it quietly to Oklahoma and they made it publicly public at the spring game to springboard that weekend and it worked out perfect for Oklahoma and Oklahoma's gonna do that again this year. You just watch. You're I gonna see some guys that'll they'll come out the Friday before. They're gonna commit the day before the spring game and really, really start that momentum. And once that starts going, you get all these kids on campus together. I mean look, they had to hold off Jaden Haynes away. He tried to flip last year i can say it now but he tried to flip last year and they, they didn't have a spot for him i mean it was it's just that simple and it took rj henderson decommitting for him to be able to come aboard and that's why i said back in july i said look he'll he will end up at the university of oklahoma and i had a few ends on that obviously and knew what the whole plan was and ultimately the plan was for him to do it in december and he decided he was going to commit you know, publicly at the All-American game instead, and he did it to Oklahoma. So, I mean, I was a couple days off, uh, about two weeks off as far as the timeline goes, but it was going to happen. Like, that was the plan last year. He was going to end up at Oklahoma, and we've talked about it on OU Insider over and over and over. I like where Oklahoma stands. And, I mean, I remember Steve Wolfon looking at me like I was crazy, and then he told me after, he's like, man, you know that on the head, man. I was like, yeah, well, Steve I Steve Wilfong is the national uh, Yeah, and he's the man. You talk about somebody that knows. Oh, man, that guy is in on everything. Well, okay, so my my thing about this is kind of my critique of, of Lincoln, uh, as, as small as it might be, but you're going to be able to keep pulling that trick again. It's kind of like why why I'm loud about the whole Austin Kendall thing is. But you don't make it obvious. Like, I can't, I couldn't tell you who, who are going to be the guys. That right, but but you're also, if you if you know that the class is filling out and everybody is, is woke to the way that you like to fill out your classes, right, which is to continue mm-hmm. to, 
but to have, like this would be like they've had to commit they've had to commit every single month dating back to December every yeah. single month matter yeah, of fact smart. I think I think did Jacoby Jones no he didn't commit in November because I know he flipped in November but did he commit so he didn't he flipped he flipped he committed in the and end of September okay so so yeah so December and I think they're they're trying to get at least one now RJ Proctor mm -hmm. kind of fell into their lap and and that's that's a good thing that's a that's a cool thing because you wanted other yeah, he's big time uh I mean yeah. you pursued other offensive linemen before you got to him but it still keeps the streak intact and we but all they had a chance they okay before that they were going to take more than one well yeah, yeah but I I mean I'm just transfer. I'm just laying out that if he everybody was knows what yeah. you're doing it's going to be really difficult for you to continue to pull the rabbit out for the people who are paying attention because you know that's that's my issue with the whole Austin Kendall quarterback situation is Look, you told us all last year that Austin Kendall was neck and neck with Kyler Murray, and then all of a sudden he's not good enough to to start, and so not yeah. good enough that when Jalen Hurts becomes available, you're going, yeah, you know. So what? Okay, if Austin Kendall was that good, and he's been in your system for three years, he must have not been that good. He must have mm -hmm. been actually not very good at all, because if you're weighing all this out, there's no reason to believe that Tanner Mordecai has a shot. You know, and that's kind of what I'm getting at with the whole recruiting deal is for those of us that are paying attention and, and we get paid to pay attention, I'm just wondering what the next move is because I look at this as a chessboard. And if you hit me with the fried liver attack, you're not going to do it again. If you hit me with a two-night defense, you're not going to be able to do it again. Now, uh, maybe it doesn't matter, right? Maybe I'm just making too big a deal out of all of this because yeah, what it comes down it to does, is Because I think games. every coach does this stuff. Well, yeah, I but every... I don't cover every coach. <laughs> you know, yeah, but I mean, it, it, it works for people. Certain things work for different programs, and I think, well, Alabama is perfect at this. I mean, they do it better than anybody, and they 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 do this whole stretch it out type deal to make sure that they're, you know, they they like to stretch it out, and then at the end of the signing period, just bombard you with like seven commits in one month. And Oklahoma likes to get it early and then get one or two the rest of the way. And that's fine. And and I'm not saying that it's all going to be 2020 kids that are going to commit. Because I think there's going to be some 2021 kids. Actually, I think there may be more 2021 kids same, coming than 2020. Same. Same. Like, I was just, like, I, like, I think I mentioned this, but I know more 2021 kids that are showing up at this point than 2020 kids, which is ridiculous. Oh, no. I know more 2020, but I think that the 2021 kids are on fire for Oklahoma. Oh, man. And I think that is... A big and there's more numbers they can take in 2021. That's the big. That's the bigger issue of it all, because there's only like eight more they can take for 2020. At this point, now obviously there's going to be some transfers. There's going to be some kids that attrition that happens. That's it, things are going to change, and there's going to end up being 21, maybe in this class. But I think you could get 24, 25, 26 in 2021, uh, depending on how everything shakes out. Um, but just we know that this class is going to be small. And I think that's going to hurt Oklahoma more than anything. Oh, man. I mean, but... All right. I, I, we'll, 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 let's unpack that in another episode because we, got, we, we both have some opinions on that. And uh, we're watching all of this play out. Look, I got... Mm, 
I'm working on some stuff, right, about the defense, and I know that a lot of the folks on the site want more team news and whatnot, and okay, but what I find interesting about what Alex Grinch is doing is not the scheme, it's still not the whole moving kids around and seeing who fits where, it's that he knows what their output is now. Because if you notice the pictures, right, on their helmets, they got trackers on the back of their helmet, GPS trackers on the back of their helmets, which means they know how fast you're moving, where you're moving to, and how often you move there. Now, it feels like this is a long time coming to college football in a, in a way that fans understand it and know it, not to say that folks aren't already doing it. But this is something that I've seen done throughout professional sports, particularly in soccer, for years, right? We know how much ground Steven Gerrard covered way back in the day. And I was just thinking about, he'd been saying all along, I'm coaching effort. And I'm going, big deal. Everybody coaches effort. Show me a kid that got to Oklahoma without showing maximum effort. And he said, no, 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 I'm, I am speed. And I'm going, you can't make them faster. They, they come in with one speed. You can make them bigger and stronger and they'll get just a little bit faster maybe. But that's going to be because of technique and because of training, not because they're, you're going to make them faster. And then there's this, which makes all the sense in the world to me now that I'm putting it together he knows when they're loafing in a way that I don't think anybody's ever known if they're loafing at Oklahoma in ever, you know? So the talent that you have that you know is there, you're going to be able to get maximum effort out of it for no other reason than they're accountable with the numbers on the board. And I'm going, okay, well, that's how you make somebody fast is you basically make sure that they have enough conditioning to never stop. And that's where Benny Wiley's going to earn his keep. How far do you think yeah. that is from being correct? Oh, I think I think ultimately they're going to have to be in really good shape for how uh, they want to play this defense as aggressive, as fast as they want to play. And you can tell just by the intensity of the 30 minutes that we got to see uh, last week of that practice. I mean, it was intense. We're just watching Grinch get after it, watching um, – watching, you know, uh, Odom get after it, watching Manning, uh, Thibodeau. It was intense the way they went about it. Uh, there was a lot of got to go here, got to go there, and you got to do it fast. You got to do it right. If you don't do it right, they're in their butt, but they're also in their butt with their hand, their arm around your shoulder, kind of talking you through it. Um, it's it, it was a different vibe um, from everybody that I've talked to. The players seem to be responding very, very well to this, and they love it. They love the aggressive. They love the freedom that they have in this to be aggressive because they're not going to get in trouble for getting burnt because they went to go make a huge play because there was effort there. There was an intent. There was a purpose of why they made that mistake. Now they're going to get in trouble for doing what we saw a lot last year was not knowing what to do and then acting uh, and playing, you know, on your heels. That's not going to fly under a Grinch. And I think that's going to change the defense in a big way. Well, I'm going to, I mean, the thing that I'm still watching for is how often is are you checking to the sideline? Because that's the thing that everybody's going to key on. Uh, because you're shrugging sh- 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 your shoulders and your hands up. Ooh, right, 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 right. Because that matters. So, right? so when- I have something on that. I have something on that, actually, because Caleb Kelly talked to the media. And he said, verbatim, he goes, every week last year we were changing the scheme. Yeah. It felt like, like, and it was, it was like, ultimately, we were trying to, uh, it was always something different. The calls were different. Everything was different last year. He goes with Grinch. He goes, what you see is what you get. This is how we're going to do this. We're not. There's not going to be, you know, a cloak and dagger about everything. There's going to be 
it is. It is what it is. Uh, maybe they're going to add some new wrinkles here and there, but the rest of the calls are going to stay the same. So you're not going to have to relearn stuff over and over and over. And it, it's not going to be confusing. I mean, he didn't say it verbatim like that, but that's kind of what he was getting at in his answer. And it was it was interesting. I think it piqued the interest of almost every media member that was there. Somebody just fist pumped to their car stereo. Because, yeah. I mean, look, I've, I, that was what Ruffin did well against TCU and Kansas State. And I'm still not entirely sure why they went away from it. But they didn't run but like six plays. Like they just they yeah. ran six plays all, all game. Well, I think they'll be defense. more than that, but I think they're going to be. They're, they're, you're going to know like all thirty plays. Like it's not going. No, no. What I mean is like when they when they were running against TCU under Ruffin uh, in Kansas State. I'm just saying that that was yeah. so simple that they didn't. I mean, these this is what we're running, right? And if you know the thirty plays like the back of your hand coming out of spring, then then yeah, absolutely. There's no checking with me. But I also am so terribly interested in making mistakes but also making them at max speed because i really just want to i want to see what that looks like i want to see what a mistake at max speed it's looks gonna like it's going to look like zach sanchez and which was was pretty good i mean that was, he was a pretty good lead from the back yeah and he could but not i mean he was aggressive him. everything he yeah. did was aggressive yeah he made plays i wish he would have aggressive sometimes he got burned there you, yeah really okay good. all right well i mean all right as far as his cover he skills, made plays no as far as his cover skills you're right like he yes Go big or go home, and we all love Zach for that. I yeah. just going, yo man, is it is it that he can't wrap up or that they can't teach him to wrap up? Because you wanted him on the field. Let, let's be clear about that. But he was pretty good. He's been pretty good in the NFL. I mean, when he's got a chance to play. So I think it was more. He's, I'm not going. I'm not going there. You go ahead. You, he's you, playing you. the Alliance now, but your point yeah. is taken. Well, I mean, but he's doing pretty well there. Your so. your point is taken. Your point is taken. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of the thing that folks really want to see is all right, cool. You're changing the recruiting, fine, whatever. But at the end of the day, Oklahoma has got the guys that it wanted to get, so that's not been an issue. It's been developing the talent on the field, and I've been the most critical of this, and I'll own it, but it's also true. When you first saw Jordan Thomas play, you were going to first-round draft pick. That's what that kid's going to develop into. And then, not only is he getting burnt, and he's you know winning the, the, the award for the person people want taken off the field, but he goes to the combine and he sets the cone drill record. It's like, okay, so he's got talent. We know that. What was going on? And you kind of saw that all over the field. And that's the thing that I hope that Grinch does better than anybody else in football is just take what you got and make it into world beaters. And you got proof of that from Washington State because they got two-star, three-star guys, and he turned that into a top-20 defense. So with what he already has at hand, You'd be right yeah. to be very optimistic about what this defense can be. Nobody is prepared to say inside the top 25. But I'm not going to crucify you for wanting to to believe that based on what he's been able to do from a development standpoint. Yeah, well, guess what? Caleb Kelly said something exactly about what you were talking about just there at Washington State. They've been watching a lot of Washington State film, he says. And he added, look, the, the main thing that the staff members are – talking to the defense about is look they weren't as recruited as you they're not as talented as you but they're making plays better than you did last year so why is that where's the effort because where where is you buying into the scheme because if you buy into this scheme look what these kids did look what you can do because you are more talented and there you can tell just the confidence and just the way that the, the players are talking that they're 
they're kind of seeing the light like look this guy knows what he's doing and we're going to follow him through there's not you, there was a lot of division with the staff last year between the staff and the players i don't think that that's going to be the case this year and i think that's going to show on the field yeah man well i mean and then it, it it's it's his first year so you're not going to say he better but yeah but I mean, but the only holdovers <laughs> are right. I mean, the only holdovers are really Calvin Thibodeau and Ruffin, right, from that defense. Yeah. So you and got your think, guys. I don't think Ruffin's long. Right, or, you know. right, yeah. right, right. So you're really talking about Tibbs. That's what you're really mm-hmm. talking about. And you brought in two guys that absolutely understand you and absolutely understand what you want to accomplish with what you have at hand. So mm-hmm. there's lots of reasons to be optimistic about this. Like I almost look at this the way. Bill Beanbow was brought in before Lincoln Riley, right? And he was brought in yeah. because the offensive line, it wasn't in shambles, but it wasn't good either. You know, he made you the had, offensive line good real quick. Right, right, right. And that's and every person that has come into that sort of position, whether it be Bill Beanbow or Lincoln Riley, has had an immediate impact. You can even say that about Jay Bolware and where he was with uh, uh, special teams when you're talking about guys like Alex Ross. Now, if it fell off and, and yeah. Lincoln and I think even Bob would cop to, hey, I probably put a little too much on Bullware to be my, mm-hmm. my running backs coach and my special teams guy. And then you got that 10th assistant, which was like a godsend for most staffs. And Shane Beamer gets you right in a hurry. So allowing yeah, these guys the to be able to, yep. to, yeah, to specialize and to do what they're good at, I also think is one of Lincoln's strengths. He's really, really good about picking the right people to do a job and then just letting them do the job. You know, mm-hmm. like he did, and I I still think that it's awesome that he and Biedenboe are able to exchange so many ideas about what they should be running and why they should be running it. And I don't know that that's a common occurrence, not necessarily between a, a head coach and offensive line coach, that's not what I'm saying, but to have guys that, you know, one guy's a primary play, play caller, he's, He's pretty natural at this. This is his gift. He knows how to scheme. And the other guy is like, no, no, no. I know what the line can do. And by the way, I know what the line can do because we got to face defensive linemen all the time. I think yeah. we're going to be pretty good at doing this. And you know how many times they, run, they ran guard, tackle, counter over the last two years? You knew it was coming, oh, and you still couldn't do anything about that. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, you knew it was coming. You knew that counter was coming. There's nothing you could do about it. I mean, it. Rodney Anderson in Oklahoma made Georgia look awful with that counter all game long. You know, they got away from it a little bit, and Riley started doing this thing sometimes where he starts passing in too much. But once they got back to running the ball, they started moving the ball again uh, in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I know we're talking about a game that nobody wants to talk about. Um, but uh, We're that, talking that, about That's what that's, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. Uh, but, I mean, that that's, that's – but – that's kind of the best um, point to be made when we're talking about that because everybody knew it was coming. Like, they talked about it. Herb Street was talking about it. Like, they're going to pull the guard right here. There it comes, and there goes Ronnie Anderson down the field for 30 yards. I mean, there's nothing anybody can do about it. They get so proficient at it, it's almost impossible to stop. And that's that's an, that shows you how good beating Bow is as not only a teacher of the line, but just so much how much he is able to get in the ear of Riley and just say, hey, look, this is what's working. This is what's not working. You need to do this. You need to do that. And Riley, to his credit, listens to Bill Beatonbow, and he should. I mean, the guy's the best offensive line coach in the country. So I had a question for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's 
not that kind of question. Don't trip. It's fine. I'm not going to put you on the spot like that. And even if I did, you're really good about going, I'm not answering that. And you should be, to be fair. And so, like, if that ever happens, just be like, uh, skip it, RJ. And we can go with that. Because that's, that's not what this podcast is for. Uh, this is this is two buddies chopping it up, and other people like to hear us chop it up. Yeah. But what was the weirdest thing you saw at Pro Day? Because that was always that was the fun part for me. Is going, wait a second, what is that dude doing over there? <laughs> and there's so many people well, around. It had to be some weirdness going on. Yeah, the Joe, the Joe Bornthal or whatever Blumenthal, his name was. Blumenthal. Um, Joel. Blumenthal, yeah, from 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 uh, Deer Creek and Swazoo. Well, from numerous colleges, but he ended up at Swazoo. Um, it was weird because you watched him and you're like, man, I cannot believe this guy is still, you know, doing this thing. Um, it's a blast from the past. And then he goes up there and just rocks it. It's <laughs> just like, wow, he's really good. Um, probably should have been somewhere other than Swazoo and. Hey, I'm a Swazoo guy. Sorry, Swazoo people that I know that are listening to this. Oh, oh, wait um, a second. You're you're an alumnus talking noise. Who else does that? <laughs> so, anyways, um, that being said, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, kind of crazy um, to see how good he actually was. I thought that was a weird thing, but I thought the funniest thing was the when when um, Bledsoe was uh, doing his pad drills. And they had one of the team managers out there holding, and he just sent that dude ten yards back. On yeah, that was good. Gi- that was good gift. Got Iker put that out because he he put it out and said block. It, charge. I, I mean, I saw that in person. It was fantastic. <laughs> he said block I charge. I fell over laughing. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, it was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was probably the worst. I mean, there is a lot of weirdness going on. Um, obviously, I just think that the the craziest thing of the whole day was the 4-8. I mean, we're not going to get back into that, but yeah, that was the craziest thing of the whole day. Just watching it happen, and you knew it was fast when you saw it, you're like, oh my god. <laughs> I like, whoa. Okay, but so... we didn't know who it was at the time. <laughs> so. so, I'm watching this on NFL Network, and I'm listening to what Daniel Jeremiah has to say, because he's, he's basically giving live analysis during Kyler's workout. Mm-hmm. And you got Chuck Casserly in there, I think Bucky Brooks was in there as well. And everything that Jeremiah is saying, I want to listen to. So if, if you guys don't listen to Move the Sticks, another podcast, you should. Yeah, because between him and Bucky, it's a really good conversation. Jeremiah is an outstanding scout turned analyst. Um, and I enjoy hearing him talk about football because I'm a football geek and a football nerd. And the way that he's choosing to evaluate players and the way that he's choosing to rank them, not necessarily just based on need, depending on where it is and how the evaluation process works for him and how it worked for him when he was still at Baltimore. But to hear him talk about what Kyler Murray was able to do made it entertaining for me to watch, which is really difficult because I've seen every single Kyler Murray throw as a Sooner. When he goes on the field, yeah, we both saw it. We saw that man throw make a hundred three hundred seventy seven passes, and I was going, "What am I going to see here that I haven't already seen?" And Jeremiah was talking about, you know, the ball zips, but it's catchable. You know that he's got more to it, but he's not doing that. And even so, the ball gets there when it needs to get there. And he was talking about how good it was to see him be so effortless in his movements, 
And it didn't look like Jim Zorn had a whole lot to do, which is what you would want, right? That's what you want out of your, your quarterback coach, the guy scripting you up. That means he made you ready to do this. And I was just enamored by all of that because when it came time to run the show, and the show was his 70-plus throws and his, what, 15, 20-minute workout. I'm going to say it was like 20 minutes. You got everything you wanted to see and then some, and then with Jeremiah calling it is a lot of fun. But the weird part was hearing Chuck Casherly just kind of try to come up with something good to say about Kyler every single time. <laughs> because every other word I, out of his mouth, you're like, yeah, but you don't like the guy. <laughs> that, that's yeah, what's going he, in the back of your head. It's like, no, it's, you see a guy that makes all the throws. And I'm going, well, okay. Uh, but how about that whiteboard there, Chuck? Anyway, no, nah, it's uh, two different perspectives. I will, I will say that the weirdest – actually, the weirdest thing for me was uh, – Totally getting. Uh, do I sound like I'm echoing now? No, you're good. I'm sure somebody's okay. gonna say that you are, but I don't hear it. Yeah. Were you just eating? Really weird. Um, no, I just sound like I'm. There we go. Um, so <laughs> it was really weird. Uh, but the weirdest thing for me was so after I'm not gonna name the name of the the media member because I'm not gonna do that. But. So after the presser, Kyler's presser, we're walking down the uh, down the hallway to get to the elevator because we're up there in the uh, the actual alumni, you know, center to where we do the Monday pressers, and um, we're walking down, and uh, a couple of people are walking with us, and Kyler's with me, and uh, we get on the elevator. And or we're trying to get on the elevator, and this dude runs up, and I will say that this the same media member tried to dominate every question at the presser, literally tried to ask a billion questions, and um, he runs up to Kyler and goes, "Hey, Kyler, can I have your phone number? I just want to keep in touch with you throughout the draft." And you could feel just the the tension. I mean, you could cut it like a knife. Like, Kyler, as nice as could be, was just like, uh... And finally, somebody, you know, that was with him goes, yeah, you don't have to do that. I wouldn't. And the guy goes, oh, well, I mean, you don't have to, but I would love to be able to uh, stay in touch with you. Like, in front of, like, five other people. And Kyler's like, uh, just call my agent. And just kind of gets in the elevator with us. It was so... And then we were... I mean, Kyler was nice to us because he knows all of us. But, like, that guy had never been to an OU presser before. And he's like trying to buddy up with, you know, Kyler during the presser and then after like hotboxing him to get his number. So uncomfortable. It was the most uncomfortable uh, part I've seen or been a part of as far as pressers goes in a long time. It was super uncomfortable. Well, on that note of someone shooting their (laughs) shot and missing... That's Brandon Drum. I'm RJ Young. We try to do this here thing once a week. We chop it up about all yes, things sir. OU. This is OUinsider.com podcast. If you like podcasts, rate and review it. Give us five stars because it's a five-star podcast. We will see you next week. Deuce. Make sure you sub. Deuces.